Hello, and welcome to the Elk River Lutheran Church Powered by Love podcast, recorded in beautiful downtown Elk River, Minnesota, right on the banks of the Mississippi River. Today we'll explore the Bible, life, and faith. So sit back, relax, and enjoy some sacred wit. To be powered by love is a spiritual thing, more than a feeling. To be powered by love Don't take money Don't take fame Don't take no credit card To ride this train It's strong and sudden It's cruel sometimes But it might just save Your life To be powered by love I'm Pastor Nathan Mugas Pastor at Elk River Lutheran Church I'm Lisa Sampson, Director of Children, Youth and Family Ministry Jeremy Halkus, Minister of Congregational Care and Discipleship. And I'm Taylor Quinn, the Director of Music and Worship. And today, in a little bit, we'll hear the story of David and Goliath and explore this theme, Fear is a Liar, because uh, David in the story conquers his fears, and then fear shows up again a little later in his story. Uh, but first, we want to start with a psalm of David, Psalm 34. Uh, this is a psalm that's going to be read by one of our Elk River Lutheran Church members, Carrie Christensen, who is also currently serving as our church's president. And so uh, let's hear Carrie read this psalm, Psalm 34. Psalm 34, verses 1 through 10. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. Look to him and be radiant so your faces shall never be ashamed. This poor soul cried and was heard by the Lord and was saved from every trouble. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Happy are those who take refuge in him. O oh, fear the Lord, you his holy ones, for those who fear him have no want. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord Lack no good thing. Here ends the reading. Well, thank you, Carrie, for uh, reading for us this morning. It's great. Uh, and uh, our theme for this morning, like I said, is fear is a liar. And we will talk about how fear shows up in David's life in a couple instances in particular, his fight with Goliath, as well as uh, what comes after that. Um, but fear is also a word that shows up a couple of times in the psalm. I'll read a couple of verses uh, in case you missed those. Uh, one is in verse 4. It says, I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. And then it shows up in a different way in verse 9. O fear the Lord, you his holy ones, for those who fear him have no want. And so fearing God, uh, that verse 9 talks about fearing God is something that shows up in the Psalms, but not only in the Psalms, at multiple points throughout the Bible. It talks about fearing God. And uh, you good Lutheran confirmation students out there, uh, and uh, if you remember your confirmation days up here, uh, one phrase uh, that comes up in Luther's small catechism uh, that relates right into this is to uh, that we are to fear and love God. And so that phrase gets repeated a little bit. And so I'll uh, come at that question or that phrase, we are to fear and love God with another very good Lutheran question. 
what does this mean? Uh, what does this mean? So what, what do y'all think? What does it mean for us to fear and love God? This idea of fearing God that is so scriptural, what do we think of that? What do you all think of that? Uh, what do you think of that? I was drilled into me by my confirmation pastor, Mike Rognes, that we fear does not need be, mean be afraid. It means to respect and to be in awe of and humbled by and all those things. So that was I learned that from eighth grade, ninth grade on. Yeah, yeah. same here. I, I learned that. I feel like I've, I'm, I'm pretty sure that I learned it during confirmation because actually when, when I was growing up, we did double dipping. Like we went to this. Like with your intention? Full, with our, <laughs> yes. Yes, with our worshiping. No, we, we attended the Lutheran church that my grandparents grew up or um, attended. Um, but we also attended a charismatic church. And so at the same time, I was getting like a little more information from both. And yeah. So... So I think it was, I, it was probably about that time, too, that I learned about fearing God mm-hmm. isn't about cowering and in fear, but respecting and loving. One of the things I think about is in the, the books and the movies, for that matter, uh, the line, The Witch in the Wardrobe, C.S. Lewis's oh, yeah. uh, stories that are, are really allegorical of the, the life of Christ and, and this God presence. And so in those books and the movies, Aslan is this God figure, the, the big lion who shows up. He's this kind of God and Christly figure. And uh, when they talk about it, and this you see more in the books, it, it describes when Aslan is around, how the kids feel. It's this like sense of awe and wonder with a little bit of fear. Like they love when Aslan is around and uh, they get to run his, their fingers through his, his fur. Yeah. But they're also like, nervous like there's 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 a sense of awe and fear that come with and it even says in one of the uh in one of the books at one point one of the kids i can't remember which kid it is uh says aslan is not a tame lion you know they're talking about how how we love him but aslan is not a tame lion and it's a way of thinking about the fact that part of what makes us maybe fear God is that we can't control God. You know, the things that we can actually control in our lives, uh, we're not really usually too scared of those because we, we've got control, but God is the ultimate thing that we can't control, you know? And so there is this sense of kind of fear that, you know, God is not a tame God. We don't have control. That can be scary. Mm-hmm. At, at the end of the, the first movie, The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, Lucy is standing with someone as they're watching Aslan leave. Yeah. And she says something about him being wild, but she also said, but he is good. Yeah. And I've always loved that part because wild can be scary for us, like what you're talking yeah. about where there's not control. But, but if you know that there's a goodness to it, it it's a little bit more peace-giving, you know, a little more comfort in that. Because we can know that God is on our side. God loves us deeply and truly. And yet... God is a little wild, and mm-hmm. we are not in control. <laughs> yeah, and those are paired perfectly. Mm-hmm. Love and fear God. You know, that's why Luther pairs them, I think. Well, I think it shows us like what we fear is what we value on the opposite side. Like, if, if I fear getting hurt, then I value feeling safe. Mm-hmm. Or if I fear death, then I value life. Yeah. And I think the sense of what, you know, fear drives us to be reminded about what we hold as sacred or holy or personal or important in that space that fear kind of has that balance too yeah well i'm excited to explore some 
fear some more in the context of the David story because in the story, David both conquers fear and uh, bows to fear in a sense. And so uh, we're going to hear the David story uh, once again here today uh, with story time with Taylor. Uh, Taylor has a Spark Storybook Bible uh, here with him. Uh, this is a story, you know, it comes from 1 Samuel chapter 17. It's verses 32 through 49 roughly, and uh, it is a really long reading, and so the Spark Storybook Bible is a little, uh, a little shorter, but this is also a little more probably in line with the Sunday school version that we, uh, many of us grew up with. And uh, if you want the more full version and to get more into the details we did that earlier this week in sacred wit mm -hmm. uh, and in the podcast and so you can find a lot more explanation that goes deeper into the actual text and the text surrounding them uh, but for this morning just to enter into this david and goliath story uh, the spark storybook bible gets us there in a <laughs> wonderful way so story time with taylor everyone sit apple you know crisscross applesauce oh my gosh uh, and uh, we can all i'm not gonna sit crisscross applesauce <laughs> Here and uh, try to on this chair, I would Not fall on right off. Uh, but uh, we will hear the story, and uh, for many of you, I think it will be familiar. But as you hear it, think about okay, what am I? What have I forgotten about this story? What's standing out that's maybe new, even as we hear it in the children's version? Let's give it a listen. All right, here is the story of David and Goliath. King Saul and his army looked out from their mountain hideout. Their enemies, the Philistines, were camped on the outside opposite mountain. In the valley between stood Goliath, the tallest man Saul had ever seen. Who will fight me? Goliath roared, waving his spear. Who can face the mighty Goliath? He shouted, lifting his sword. Saul and his army were afraid they could not win against the Philistines. They could not beat Goliath. Surely they would be captured and become slaves. A beam of sunlight bounced off of Goliath's bronze helmet. His voice shook the leaves in the trees. All the birds hid behind their branches. Send out your best warrior, Goliath ordered. Let him fight against me. If I win, you will be our slaves. If your soldier wins, we will serve you and your god. Saul waited. No one stepped forward to take Goliath's challenge. Saul felt a small tug on his sleeve. Looking down, he saw David, a young shepherd boy. I will do it, King Saul, David said. I will fight Goliath. You are a boy. How can you beat a gigantic man like Goliath? Saul turned to go. Wait, King Saul, David said. God protects me from the wolves and bears that go after my sheep. God will protect me now, too. David reached down and pick up, picked up five smooth stones. In his right hand, he carried the same sling he used to chase away the wolves uh, and wild animals. Saul patted David's head and pointed down the rocky path leading to the valley. Goliath laughed when he saw David. You are the warrior they send out against me? David slipped his hand in his, into his pouch and selected a stone. I, will not, I am not afraid of your spear and sword, Goliath, David said. God will help me. David rushed toward Goliath, swinging his sling. The smooth stone fell, flew through the air and hit Goliath in the forehead. Down, 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 Goliath fell. Down fell his sword. Down fell his spear. Down fell his mighty shield. 
David picked up Goliath's bronze helmet from the ground and laid it and held it high in the air. Saul and all his soldiers rose up with a shout. David, a small shepherd boy, had beaten the mighty Goliath. When the Philistines saw that Goliath had fallen, they were afraid and ran away. Trusting in God gave David courage when he needed it most. All right. Thank you, Taylor. And uh, yeah, so like I had said at the beginning of that story, I'm guessing that for many of us, this is a familiar story. It's one that is almost always taught in Sunday school. And it's one of those, you know, even we have the phrase, it's a David and Goliath story. Whenever someone, you know, little takes on someone big, you know, the underdog, uh, kind of a classic underdog story. Uh, but so I, I'm just kind of curious, you know, we're going to play with this idea of fear. But uh, even before we just get into the fear stuff, as you hear the story once again this morning, uh, whether you've heard it recently, like we all did, uh, maybe you, so as you listened to Sacred Wit earlier this week or the podcast have heard this story most, more recently, others maybe haven't heard it for years and years and years. Uh, but so think about what is it that stood out about the story to you today in this hearing? What did you hear that maybe it's even a little different than the Sunday school version you remember? Uh, details you hear in just the retelling of it here this morning. Go ahead. I think of it as age because we yeah. are, we're taught that he's a little boy, or I, and a young boy, and I always just said eight. 10, 12 sure. years old. Well, and they said it in here even, too. Right, so. he's young. Yeah. Um, but he really wasn't that young um, in his circumstances and things. So that, that makes me curious. Yeah, I, I think about that, too. I also think about um, the looking at it. If you go back, and so if you don't read the Spark, Spark story, look at the Bible and read it for all its nuances. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's so much more to that than... Than just this little guy beating a big guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. right. Well, I think that sense of fear, like who is doing the fearing, like it begins with um, the Israelite army and Saul, King Saul, being afraid to death of this Goliath creature. And David goes, Yeah, I got this. Like it's so nonchalant um, that this little person goes after this big uh, giant of a person um, and then knocks him down. And then all of a sudden, the Philistine army is terrified of David. Yeah, like, right. this fear changes shape. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, you know, it is... Um, I really would recommend, if you, if you want to go to the Bible and read the story, I'd recommend that, because there are a lot of details that get left out, partially because it's long. Like, one of my favorite scenes in the story is... Uh, David putting on Saul's armor. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's this great scene that when David volunteers, then Saul says, okay, well, you, know, you can even wear my armor and carry my sword and my spear. Well, none of it fits him. He's too little. <laughs> so like, he, it's like this silly scene where he's trying to walk and he can't <laughs> even walk in it. And so he takes it off and he says, no, I'll just use this slingshot. That, that's good enough for me and you know there, there are just some of those little nuances even the fact that he's only on the battlefield because he's bringing lunch to his brothers uh, who are actually in the army uh, he's like supposed to be back watching the sheep that night and probably was back watching the sheep that night uh, and uh, one last detail I think is so funny in the spark storybook version it talks about him hoisting uh, the helmet of Goliath uh, <laughs> it leaves out the fact that you know kids cover your ears like earmuffs right like 
Goliath's head is in that helmet. <laughs> like, uh, what? It's, yeah, <laughs> verse fifty. Uh, we kind of even didn't even include that one, but um, there's some real gory elements of this story that um, you know it, it's a it's a battle. This is war, and war mm-hmm. is war is ugly, and there's some ugly parts of the story too. Yeah, and it doesn't go into how long it had been going on either. You know right. that it had been going on for a long time, and and David had seen this over and over again, and finally said, "No, I'll do this." Right. Mm-hmm. I think it's forty days. Yep. Very appropriate number for the Bible. Shows yep, up right. a lot. Forty, 40? days that uh, Goliath has come out every day, taunting them. Right. You know, just instilling this fear. Right. You know, right. and. And saying uh, you can't beat me, and they started. They believed it. <laughs> right, right. And I think it's you know the fascinating the the way the story is written. You don't catch the courage that comes from David too. Mm-hmm. Like everybody else is afraid, and David simply just goes, "Okay," grabs five stones as his shepherd staff and yeah. runs into battle. Um, one grabbing five stones to run into war just seems crazy to me. Yeah. Uh, but there's something about that he trusts and knows that this yeah. is going to do the thing um, that it's meant to do. But that confidence in who God has called him to be also shows up in that, too. Yeah. And so that's this theme, fear is a liar. That's what I think we really want to wrestle with. What, what role does fear have in our lives? In, in David's life, uh, like you say, he conquered that fear. He trusted that you know, God would be with him, that he could uh, conquer this giant. And so that fear got pushed aside. Uh, well, if we fast forward in the story, in just the next chapter, over the next uh, chapter, David gets really popular. Uh, of course, people think it's great that he killed Goliath. He becomes kind of a hero of the people. Uh, he, uh, ultimately, it seems kind of becomes a general type person leading other uh, battles. And uh, so all of a sudden, you know, he's famous throughout the whole nation. Everyone loves him, including Saul, who thinks, hey, this guy is great. Uh, you know, everyone's saying David's the bravest. He's the best. He's the strongest. Uh, he's not scared of anything. He's the best. And then Saul starts to think, wait a second. I'm the king. I'm the best. And in the background of this story is what we have talked about already. What we all know is that David has been chosen to be the next king. He's been anointed by the prophet Samuel. God has, uh, you know, the hand of God is upon him. And so that's a part of why he's doing so well. Saul doesn't really know that, but he starts to realize there's something about David. And so his, whether it's jealousy starts to grow or fear of David taking over the throne starts to grow. And what happens next then is Saul tries to kill David more than once. <laughs> and uh, and so early on then, that first time, uh, David kind of sticks around because Saul has a change of heart. But ultimately then, David will flee out of fear that Saul, his own king, will kill him. And so there is this fascinating, uh, you know, different ways of thinking about and talking about fear in this story. Fear is self-preservation, which is good and healthy. David gets out of there before Saul kills him. And yet also, fear that David conquers and goes and takes on the giant. And so I think in our lives, what does fear look like? How do we see that fear that is good and life-preserving, like keeps us alive, but also then where does fear show up that's not so life-giving or preserving? Fear and anxiety and worry that just, I mean, just serves to raise our blood pressure and isn't good for us or for anyone around us. I think we do experience those kinds of fear. So what, what does that look like? What does that look like for you all? 
the thing that I first thought of um, talking about Goliath and Saul, and he wasn't afraid of Goliath, but he didn't have a relationship with Goliath. It was just this yeah. figure across the valley. But he had a relationship with Saul. And I think about in our own lives, people that I'm afraid of having an argument or being afraid of somebody I actually know or have a relationship with is much scarier than coronavirus, somebody I don't sure. know, you know. So maybe that plays something in, in his fear and wanting to run away. Right. Go ahead. There's not still forming. Go oh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just thinking about social media too. Yeah. Like I think on... Oh, sure. We we don't we don't experience fear so much when we're disconnected from people. Like when you're on a computer screen, it's so easy to to do your thing without fear. But when you get in front of human beings, real life interactions, mm -hmm. there's an element of fear that keeps us from doing certain things, probably because of preservation, yeah. but also perhaps that keeps us from doing the right thing too. Mm -hmm. You know. I think this is a time in, in life with you know, a global pandemic and plenty of real actual things to be uh, fearful of, to think about, yeah, what are those things in our lives that are just ratcheting up that anxiety and causing more mm. fear than is at all helpful? You know, right. um, mm -hmm. I think social media needs to be just turned off sometimes, yes. especially if it's just causing a, a cycle of fear. That's not good for us or for anyone around. That's, it goes way beyond self-preservation, and, and you just get kind of sucked in and, into this. And, and I think that's so easy to do, especially in this time when we can't be around people who bring us down or you know, be busy doing other things that would maybe calm us a little more. Right. I think that's for our family right now. That's where we're dwelling the most is um, Governor Walls' um, school mandate that wasn't really a mandate. Like, yeah. we're struggling with this because Ellie and Weston both have heart issues. And those become part of our conversation of what risks mm -hmm. do we take? Like, yeah. how do we do this school year? How do we not? Like, what are our options? And I think for that, that ratchets up that fear. But I think it also is pushing us more to the faith. Like, yeah. we've got to trust that something's going to happen here. Um, and sort of live in this weird, ambiguous, you know, fear and trust and the balance between. I think it becomes part of... Uh, wrestling with these big questions right mm -hmm. I mean I think that's you know that's a great example I think that's certainly pertinent for me where you know a, a month ago it was like oh gosh what's going to happen in schools and there was a point where it's like well we don't know I mean we, we just don't really know the announcement though is going to be made what is it July 27th right I mean I remember that date was set so long back mm -hmm. and we thought oh by that day we'll know what to expect for the fall I can't wait so let's not even worry about it till then mm -hmm. well then the date comes and we realize okay this is more complex than you know just yes or no go or no go and, and so we kind of have to now continue to live in that uncertainty. And, you know, whether it's, it's schools or, you know, in-person worship, whatever, uncertainty is a real good fear monger, isn't mm -hmm. it? Like yeah. those, when, when we don't know what to expect, uh, like that's scary. Right. I was even thinking too, like the anxiety produced going out to get groceries right now or mm -hmm. going to Target or gas or like, there's something different about going to those places now than I think really has ever been. Mm -hmm. It's hard as human beings to experience emotions and not let the um, and not let the negative effects take their course. Fear can be paralyzing. It is it it, it and but the thing is is that I think we as human beings 
we can choose to be paralyzed by it or be proactive about it. Mm-hmm. I love what you said about fear when we were talking about it before the David and Goliath story that that fear can tell us about ourselves. It can tell us what we value. And if we look at fear as not a negative paralyzing thing, but we look at it as, as, a, as an emotion that tells us who we are and make a positive stand on it, st- looking at it, perspective, it can be a really good thing. It tells us who we are. Um, I, I, there was a time in my life that I realized that I was afraid a lot and it was paralyzing. But then there was, there's, there was a pivotal certain series of, of, of uh, events in my life that made me realize I don't have to let this be par- paralyzing. Mm-hmm. I can let it be a, a catalyst to action and proactive you know, behavior. You know, I know you're not paralyzingly f- afraid of performing uh, musically because I've seen you do it so much that you couldn't live like that, I know. <laughs> um, but I am kind of curious, you know, what role does, because fear isn't just these, you know, big major, you know, pandemic scares, but like, what role does fear play in, in your musical life even? As, I mean, you know, a lot of people are pretty scared about getting up in front of people and then, but you do it all the time and perform and... No, fear, I don't, I don't get nervous so much anymore. Um, okay. I think the biggest thing for me that I fear is not being prepared. Um, because I've done music, there are some things that I can just, just do and throw out because yeah. of the skill level. But for me, I become more afraid if I know that I haven't spent time in the music, so like preparedness. Yeah. Um, I do know that um, other musicians and other performers and even like speakers in public um, you get nervous. Mm-hmm. And I had a colleague who would always tell her students, you're nervous because you care about what you're doing. Yeah. And so I took that philosophy with me, but I also kind of morphed it into, it's okay to be nervous, yeah. embrace it, practice it. Yeah. You know, you can't, that's what I said earlier about, you can't let fear be, be paralyzing. Yeah. Embrace it and live in it, and then you'll be able to manage it better. Because it is good and bad at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's so true on so many levels, right? I mean, that's not just for, you know, doing music or performing or mm-hmm. anything. I mean, I think we can live into those and, and explore and grow in those areas that cause us fear. You know, I, I think, you know, the, the f- a funny example I think about is like driving a race car, like sounds really fun to me, but like to actually be in a NASCAR race where you're driving 200 miles an hour and there's people on all sides of you, like I would be scared to death because I know I can't do it well. Like I would crash, you know, and, and they should all be scared if I was out there, right? Um, and, you know, and yet, uh, you know, those drivers aren't scared because they've practiced. You know, it's just like getting mm-hmm. up and, you know, when you know that you've practiced it, you're ready to do it. And I think that can be applied not to just like certain, you know, specific situations like I'm going to be driving a car like Jeff Gordon. I can't think of more current <laughs> race car drivers, you know, um, like, but what are the other things that cause fear and anxiety? You know, even just relationships are being, you know, oh, every time I talk to so-and-so, I just, my blood pressure goes up and I get nervous. Okay, well, what are the things that I can practice, you know, going into those conversations to conquer that fear even? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's one interesting thing. Carolyn Mitzuk, I'm going to paraphrase her thing, but David already has the skills. He'd already been a shepherd defending a sheep against lions, wolves, and bears. 
to take that confidence and trust who God is into the next level. Yes. To say, yeah, I'm going to use those gifts that God has given me to do the tasks that we need to. Yeah. Um, I think that's incredibly profound, too. Oh, absolutely. That, you know, just because we haven't done something before doesn't mean we aren't equipped to face that thing, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like David had never fought a giant before, but, you know, he had faced lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that served him well. You know, none of us have ever lived through a global pandemic before, but we've all been through stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, we can use some of those experiences and the, the growing, the growth that we've experienced from that and can carry that to help process this. Well, fear uh, is uh, a liar. We know that. So we're going to hear the song in a moment, uh, Fear is a Liar. Uh, but first, let's uh, go back to this psalm. Uh, we've been doing uh, these psalm challenges where we encourage you, challenge you uh, to enter into the psalms. And so Psalm 34 is our psalm for this week. And we're going to leave you with just the first four verses. But we encourage you to... Uh, as many times this week as you can, uh, dwell in the words of this psalm, Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt in his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. So this, uh, moving on to the next part of our worship, uh, worship service is you're going to watch a video, um, a music video called Fear is a Liar, and it features musicians. It features this guy right next to me, Jeremy Hallquist, uh, Justin Howland, uh, Chuck Anderson, Kara Hennig, Emily Rotz, and myself. Um, and uh, it's a great song. And uh, Jeremy, will you say a little something? See, Jeremy had chosen this song when we were doing the series, and so I wanted to ask him, why? Why was this part of... Yeah, I think, um, so I went through kind of weird times in my life of, of having to learn to trust and, and lean into God um, when the world felt like it was against me. Um, and so feeling that sense of fear and that sense of hopelessness. Um, and the lines in this, in this song, it'll rob, you, it'll rob your rest, steal your happiness. You know, fear will drive you to places that you don't want to be. Um, and leaning in and trusting God when it matters, I think that was the place where this song came on the radio one day and just shook me. Um, and since then, I've been kind of just enamored with the words and lyrics. So we invite you to hear and, and listen to, the, to what God is saying in the midst of this. Take your breath, 
Well, thanks for joining us. You can find more information about Elk River Lutheran Church at our website, elkriverlutheran.org. And if you'd like to give to support this podcast and the other ministries of the church, just click that Give button at the top of the homepage. Thanks again, and have a great week. Don't take money.
don't take fame, but it might just save your life to be powered by love.